Jacksonville, your first place podcast of your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcou. He is Chris Cullen. Chris Cullen, how the hell are you? Man, I'm great, buddy. How are you? I'm doing better. This is uh, <laughs> this is an episode all about the wide receivers, and given the tough negotiations we are currently seeing with Jarvis Landry, it's appropriate because it's been a negotiation to try to get this podcast episode recorded, has it not? Yeah, I think this is what the third time we had to uh, attempt this, and these stupid receivers have been on my stupid mind way too stupid long. Well, the good news about it, and you're right, this is the third time, and third time is a charm, but the good news about it is that the longer we wait, the more details we get from Jarvis Landry, <laughs> Bill Bell Baggins, his agent, and the Miami Dolphins themselves. So let's get into it. This is the topic that all of the citizens of Perfectville voted for on Twitter, which you can find us at Perfectville Pod on Twitter. Uh, we gave you three options, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and an overwhelming amount of votes came in for the wide receivers so that's what we're talking about we're breaking down each individual receiver the wide receivers as a class and where do the Miami Dolphins go in 2018 and beyond so just a couple stats to throw out there Chris overall the wide receivers uh, the top five wide receivers for the Miami Dolphins and that would be Jarvis Landry Kenny Stills Devonte Parker Jakeem Grant and Leonte Carew those are the five wide receivers that we're talking about Combined for 247 catches, 2,776 yards, and uh, an average of 11 yards per catch. So that doesn't sound bad to me. Um, That actually sounds kind of middle of the road, maybe 15 or so. I didn't do all the research on that. But I did compare it to a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, which is uh, having a deep playoff run here. The Philadelphia Eagles' top five wide receivers combined for 176 catches, 2,253 yards uh, for an average of 12.8 yards per reception. So less receptions to their wide receiver, wide receiving core, uh, but more yards per catch. So somebody like the Philadelphia Eagles is actually pushing the ball a little bit further down the field than, say, somebody like the Miami Dolphins, which makes sense when you look at how the Miami Dolphins um, approached the passing game this year with Jay Cutler under center, uh, patchwork offensive line, and a love affair with screen passes that you and I will never understand. Uh, but overall, what's your general feeling of the wide receiving core in 2017, given all the external factors that were placed on the Miami Dolphins as a whole? Yeah, I mean, Adam Gase uh, fully changed his offense when it, when Ryan Tannehill went down because uh, we stopped seeing those downhill uh, downfield passes that we were accustomed to last year. I know the screen game's always been in Gase's arsenal, but they seem to just be overly abundant this year. Uh, Jarvis Landry was more along the lines of an extension of our run game, I think, than uh, really a downfield threat. Uh, it got predictable at times, but all in all, looking at the numbers like that, uh, we didn't, it wasn't bad. Like you said, like Stills and Landry, um, had great numbers, like really good numbers, uh, good high touchdowns, high yards, high catches, even Parker, other than the touchdowns, very quietly over 500 yards receiving. Um, so not all bad. And I think Jakeem Grant finally stepped up too when Gase finally gave him a chance. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Parker actually had close to 700 yards on the season, which is somewhat surprising. And we're going to talk about Devontae Parker individually here before too long. Uh, but you mentioned the, the, the top three there, and that would be Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, and Devontae Parker. Just breaking this out a little bit further, Chris, those three combined for 227 yards, 2,508 yards, and six, uh, I'm sorry, 227 catches, I should say, 2,508 yards on the season and 16 touchdowns. So they combined for the f- almost 100% of all the wide receiving um, catches, yardages, and touchdowns. Uh, that breaks down to roughly 75 catches per those three, 834 yards per average, and 5.3 touchdowns each. So looking at that, if you had three wide receivers that were averaging 75 catches a season, 834 yards a season, and 5.3 touchdowns a season, I think you'd be happy with that sort of uh, production. And just to put it in perspective, those numbers are very close to what Des Bryant did in 2017. Uh, Those numbers are very close to what Zach Ertz, tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, did in 2017. So the numbers on average with your top three aren't bad, um, but they are skewed when you start breaking it down even further to Jarvis Landry individually versus Devontae Parker individually versus Kenny Stills. Uh, And we're going to get into that. We might as well get into that right now, Chris. Number one on this topic has got to be Jarvis Juice Landry. 
Uh, the guy set a record for most catches for the first four seasons in the NFL. He has 400 receptions through four seasons. Obviously, simple math tells us that he's averaging 100, yard, 100 receptions a year. Um, he's got over 4,000 yards receiving, so you're looking at a guy who's got 100 catches and 1,000 yards on average. Uh, this year, 2017, he's once again a pro bowler um, for the third year in a row. 112 receptions to lead the league in receptions this year. 987 yards, only 8.8 yards per reception, which is well below average and even well below the average for the Miami Dolphins as a whole. But nine touchdowns, Chris, uh, obviously set a personal record. He was tied for third or fourth in the league for the amount of touchdowns, first in receptions, obviously uh, solidified himself as a number one receiver, whether he's in the slot or if he's in the outside. Just a fantastic campaign by Jarvis Landry this year. Yeah, all those accolades, amazing, amazing numbers. And it just seems more and more every day that we're going to let that walk out the door. Um, It's just so crazy to me, Sam. Like he had a great year, uh, the type of personality that Juice has. He's the lifeblood of this team, of this offense. I'd say he's the biggest name on the team, maybe not counting uh, some of the guys on defense. But, I mean, when 14 comes out with that headband and his hair dyed and and he's pumped up and going crazy with the crowd, he's doing doing his first – down chant uh he's fighting for yards this is the same personality that the miami dolphins in my opinion made a huge mistake and said you know what no contract once you go show us what you got and earn it and he said okay and had career year so um huge mistake now all the leverage on jarvis's side and you mentioned bilbo as agent um now is just it's getting ugly to this point sam so a great year by Jarvis. I, I don't think anybody would discredit that at all. His uh, yards per completion, of course, were down, but the, the volume of passes that he got is going to come to that and the type of offense that Gase was running and the type of player Jarvis Landry is. But this guy does everything. He blocks downfield for his guys. He blocked a guy on his knees this year, running full speed at him. And uh, now it's just getting just like a Jarvis blindside hit. His agent now, uh, you can call Gase uh, authoritative. You can call him uh, a dictator or say that it's not fun being in that locker room. That's that's all well and good. Maybe bash the front office. But as soon as you start bashing and passively, aggressively attacking Miami Dolphins teammates, that's where things are getting ugly. And I just don't know if this is going to be able to uh, be, be fixed, Sam. It's very scary because, as you said, other than maybe Indomitian Sue and Cameron Wake, uh, Jarvis Landry is probably the best player on the Miami Dolphins. You can make you can make an argument that he is the face of the franchise. I think most people would say Adam Gase is that face, but um, Jarvis Landry's right up there. I mean, he, he's going to the Pro Bowl for the third year in a row. Um, he's now uh, been in the top 10 for receptions for the third year in a row. In 2016, he was actually in the top 10 for receiving yards. Uh, He was top 10 in receiving touchdowns for 2017. You look at his body of work over four seasons, and you scratch your head and go, oh my God, we're going to let go of a bona fide number one wide receiver. And as I had mentioned over a year ago on this very program, Chris, I kind of felt like the the end of Jarvis Landry and the Miami Dolphins was going to be a messy divorce, and unfortunately, it's looking more and more likely like I am right. Um, now, Jarvis has come out and said that he wants to play for the Miami Dolphins, uh, but he's also come out through his agent and said there was absolutely no hometown discount here for Jarvis, which means we're going to have to pay him. And in order to pay Jarvis Landry, that means we're going to have to let go of some other players at some other key positions. People like Juwan James will probably need to be let go. In order to fit Jarvis Landry under the cap, we're probably going to have to kick the can down the road on Adamakon Su and restructure his contract if we want to keep Adamakon Su, which I'm sure we do, in order to get Jarvis Landry and his contract demands under the salary cap for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, When I look at everything that he's done, Chris, in particular this last year, and then I look at the other wide receivers that are of his age group that have signed contracts here recently, I'm going to throw some names out at you, and you just tell me if you would take these players over Jarvis Landry or not? Okay, just a yes or no. I'll just rapid fire throw these out. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Would I take Hopkins over Landry? Right. Yes. Okay, Julio Jones. Yes. Des Bryant. No. Demarius Thomas. No. Antonio Brown. Yes. T.Y. Hilton. No. A.J. Green. No. Devontae Adams. No. Alshon Jeffrey. No. And Pierre Garçon. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. Yeah, so those are your top 10 wide receivers by way of average dollars per year 
on their contract. Now, out of those 10, I believe you said you would take four or five of those. I happen to agree with you. Uh, those are roughly the same ones that I would say yes or no to. But the ones I'm looking at right now, DeAndre Hopkins, 25 years old. He is the highest paid wide receiver in the league. He's got $36.5 million in guarantees. Uh, he's averaging, uh, well, the, the total length of that contract is $81 million over five years, averaging, averaging a little over $16 million per year. Julio Jones, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, along with Antonio Brown. Um, Julio Jones is averaging $14.2 million on average per season. Antonio Brown's averaging about $17 million. Um, the interesting one to me is right around Devontae Adams and Alshon Jeffrey. Both of these guys are in their mid to late 20s, Devontae Adams being 25, Alshon Jeffrey being 27. They both signed contracts here with their respective teams, the Packers and the Eagles. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey averaging about 13 mil per season with the new contract. Devontae Adams, 14.5 million. Um, I, I kind of think that's what we're looking at, probably yeah. a little bit more, actually. I think we would take Jarvis Landry over Alshon and Devontae Adams. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing we're probably at a minimum looking at about 15 million on average over four years, which is right around AJ Green money. Uh, and I'm okay with that. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. And you know, the stance that Bilbo is taking right now um, is, is this is this is where. Um, you see your value in yourself and your agent obviously is going to try to get as much money as possible. That's his job. The team is trying to think of the team, uh, the future draft picks, who's behind them, who do we have to pay soon? Um, what, what have you, all those things have to come into play. But when your agent takes a stance of comparing Jarvis Landry to Devontae Adams, good. Everybody is. That's a great, that's a great move. I, I would use that comparison very well, but then he's starting comparing them to Julio Jones mm. and Antonio Brown. And then this is where things were getting ugly. He is then saying, look what Jarvis Landry has done with his quarterback. Right. Right? That's where this is like, wait, hold on. He's going to be in a locker room next to Ryan Tannehill when he's saying Antonio Brown got paid and he's one of the best receivers. But look, he's got Big Ben throwing him the ball. And Devontae Adams got paid and he's productive. But, I mean, he's catching balls from Aaron Rodgers. So, of course, his numbers are there. Look at what Landry's played with and what he's doing. Yikes. That's where it gets from agent bashing the front office and trying to make them look good maybe uh now you're in like close to miko territory where you're like shitting on guys that if he does sign a contract it awkwardly is going to be joining them for otas in a few months so i don't know if this is going to fix itself and it's making me worry day in and day out every time a quote comes out the team's using a mouthpiece of commando saguero uh bilbo is coming out and just actually shitting on um adam gase and in the players and and everybody like that and comparing them it, you just use that. You just use that entire thing that we did right there. And I would not take Julio Jones. I would take Julio Jones over Landry. I would take Antonio Brown over Landry. But he's he's comparing them to those guys. Like you got to kind of see where your value is and what you bring to the team. Because um, I mean, really, honestly, Doug Baldwin plays in a slot better than Landry because he at least gets down the field and makes big impact plays uh, for big yards and touchdowns. So um, this is gonna this might go a long ways, man. And it's uh, it's gonna be a tough one. Ironically, Doug Baldwin is the next receiver after Pierre Garçon on that list, and he's averaging about $11.5 million per season. That is not going to get it done to get Jarvis Landry back That's in the steal. fold for the Miami Dolphins. That is an absolute steal. He is 29. Jarvis Landry is 25. Um, so he does have the best years of his career still ahead of him, cons uh, assuming he doesn't get hurt, of course. Man, I, I, here's the scary part to me. If Jarvis Landry leaves, there's teams out there that you can realistically pair him up with and see this taking off. And, of course, uh, the number one that we always talk about is the New England Patriots. You know, you imagine Jarvis Landry under Bill Belichick with Tom Brady and that entire machine up there getting to face the Miami Dolphins twice a year. I mean, we always joked about Jarvis Landry being the inspiration for ballers and the receiver that's on there. Um that might come to that might come to life. I mean, that's a that's a realistic scenario. And yeah, I do not Rick, Ricky see Jarrett. That. Yeah, absolutely. and and Landry actually tweeted that uh, exact thing maybe a day or two ago. He said, "Watch it, catching up on ballers. I wonder what happens with Ricky's future." And he did a bunch of emoticons. So that's where that's very scary, Sam. That you just used that comparison, and Landry literally used it in this just vague, vile like tweet that he's sending out. Uh, it's getting ugly, man. And the Patriots, Jarvis Landry is the type of guy, if it keeps getting ugly, that's the first place he'll go to. And Bill Belichick, if you listen to him mic'd up during games against us, 
he is infatuated with Jarvis Landry. He would let Stills run by himself and just so he can double Landry. That's how much this guy respects Jarvis Landry and what he brings. If he went to New England, good Christ, dude. Talk about crying in your fluty flakes. And rightfully so when it comes to the New England – solid reference for the fluty flakes, by the way. <laughs> I wonder if they sell those at Biscuitville. But if you think about – Bill Belichick and what he does best. He's a defensive-minded coach, which you wouldn't necessarily know that considering all the accolades and all the the hype they've gotten on offense over the years. But what he does, it's very basic and it's very uh, sound and fundamental, which is take away the best player from the other team. And when you look at how he defends the Miami Dolphins, he's clearly saying that Jarvis Landry is the best player on the Miami Dolphins offense because he does everything he can to game plan to mitigate Jarvis Landry's success against his defense. And like you said, he'll let other wide receivers go out there and do whatever because he'd rather get beat by them than somebody who he knows is a good player. Um, But it's not just the New England Patriots. Something was floated out there the other day, Chris, and I thought about this and I went, you know, that would be an interesting scenario if you're Jarvis Landry. Imagine Jarvis Landry... Going back or staying in the South, you know, he, he went to school at LSU. Um, imagine Jarvis Landry teaming up with another, uh, shall you say, emotional wide receiver. And imagine Jarvis Landry playing in the NFC East with Des Bryant, Dak Prescott, and the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that oh, that, man. that is a scenario that, in my opinion, is actually very likely and one that uh, if they could afford him and if they can – would be a scary addition to an offense that, if they could all stay healthy, would give the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFC as a whole a run uh, with the amount of offensive firepower that they could have. And he's the type of guy, too, that Jerry Jones would back a dump truck full of money to his front door to get him on his roster, put a blue star on his helmet. You get him in that huge AT&T stadium where it's not just a game, it's a spectacle. Who better than Jarvis Landry to catch first downs, breaking through Eagles and Redskins and pumping pumping up that 100,000-seat stadium? I mean, that would just be unreal. Um, Believe me, it makes me sick and nauseous thinking about it. But uh, as far as excitement and the pro wrestling side of how we look at Things, Sam, the entertainment value of that of Jarvis Landry walking through those tunnels and going to AT and T Stadium and playing with uh, that blue star on the side of his silver helmet. I mean, that's just like the equivalent of CM Punk returning at the Royal Rumble next week. I mean, it, maybe, maybe that'd be kind of huge. But uh, <laughs> Jarvis Landry, there. I mean, I can see him going to the 49ers and like him and Garoppolo playing mm. for the next ten years together. I can definitely see that. Um, these big market teams, man, I can definitely see them doing it. Uh, how about this? How about a guy that um, has been with Bill Belichick, so he knows the respect that's paid to Jarvis Landry, that just got a head coaching job with the Indianapolis Colts, Josh mm. McDaniels. Mm. He goes there and gets Landry to the Colts for Andrew Luck. T.Y. Hilton, um, I could see it. Talk about an extension of a running game. Frank Gore is not getting younger. Um, extension of the running game, McDaniels, the way he calls offenses there. Andrew Luck being able to play with Jarvis Landry. Tannehill would be uh, – well, he'd be pretty sad if he's looking across there in the AFC South and seeing Jarvis Landry with a horseshoe on his helmet. Well, I mean, even you could even look at somebody like the Detroit Lions who have Marvin Jones, who is you know probably the lower tier of a number one wide receiver. You put Jarvis Landry and Marvin Jones together with Matthew Stafford and, again, another Bill Belichick disciple uh, running that team and Matt Patricia who understands what it's like to have Defending Jarvis Landry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that would be kind of an interesting scenario too. So there's a lot. Here's what it boils down to. Jarvis Landry has options. He doesn't need the Miami Dolphins. He is a known entity. He is the record holder for the most amount of receptions through four years in NFL history and oh by the way the record after five seasons is 426 he'll probably get that done by week four of next season he's going to hold the record after five seasons as well uh, assuming he doesn't get hurt so Sam let me flip that to you uh, because this is a discussion that's going on internally in my head and between Dolphins on Twitter all those accolades all those numbers how many playoff wins how many times have we gone to the playoffs Once. once once yeah okay out of four years where this is where we need to start figuring out what the team's looking at and how uh, I think I forgot who it was I think it's um, God I know it wasn't um, it, it wasn't Armando or, or Omar or anybody like that but it's somebody that used to be or is a Sun Sentinel Palm Beach Post sports writer he said if Jarvis Landry leaves the Miami Dolphins it won't be something that will be drastically uh, change the team's franchise for the future he doesn't believe it will but in, in, in immediately. 
will impact us by his energy and his locker room presence being gone and his field presence. And Dolphins, of course, have to watch him dominate for the prime of his career uh, somewhere else. And so it just it, it depends on what the team values and where we're going to meet in the middle here and if that's going to even happen. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is going to come down to Adam Gase. I think he's the one who's pulling the strings. And if he says, I need Jarvis Landry on this team, he's going to make sure that Mike Tannenbaum, Chris Greer, and everyone else uh, ensures that Jarvis Landry is on the team. And you just mentioned his presence and his energy. On the field, that's what the Miami Dolphins fans see. So we assume that carries over to the locker room. I wonder if it could be addition by subtraction if you take a superstar player like Jarvis Landry and take him off this team does it relieve the pressure in the locker room is there a lot of tension is there somebody else that can step up and fill those shoes can we design an offense around not having Jarvis Landry I don't know what this offense looks like if Jarvis Landry isn't here I mean and and that could be a good thing that could be a bad thing it really kind of depends on are we um, changing our offense to fit Jarvis Landry's talent into it or are we the offense we are because of Jarvis Landry, I don't know, and we won't know until if and when he leaves. Uh, but I well, kind of don't look- forget, Sam. There was a lot of smoke near the trade deadline. A lot of smoke, man. Oh yeah. When there's smoke, there's a fire. There was a ton of smoke that Landry was possibly getting traded. Now, if we let him walk in free agency, God, I wish we did because if we don't get anything from this guy leaving. I'll be super pissed. Now, that's what I was going to ask you. Now, I did say Jarvis Landry has options, but ultimately, we have control of this situation. Do you franchise Jarvis Landry going into the 2018 season, uh, given all of it, everything that's already played out in public, given what we think has happened behind closed doors, given the uh, assumed personality clash between Adam Gase and Jarvis Landry, uh, would you franchise him and make him prove it one more time on a one-year deal? It, it, this is, again, going right with what you just said. It's all up to Adam Gase because Adam Gase is the guy that – he's the type of guy that will put start Carew over him all season um, if we do franchise him just so he has a – bad year or bad numbers or to prove a point. I don't know what he would do. So it's up to Adam Gase. I mean, because uh, I, I don't see Jarvis Landry, the type of guy, he loves football too much. I don't see him sitting out, uh, holding out, not refusing to sign his franchise tag. I mean, this year he wanted a new contract, but he he refused to hold out. He still showed up to camp. He thought it was good for the team. And give yourself a little bit more credit, Sam. You said you think it'll end ugly. Uh-uh. That episode, I remember it clearly. You said if and when Jarvis Landry ever parts with the Miami Dolphins, if there's a time where he is not playing with the Miami Dolphin, it will end ugly. It will end ugly. And you hit the nail on the head, dude. I mean, the writing was just on the wall. I'm not, I'm not, you know, Nostradamus. I'm more like Nostradamus. But I mean, I could just tell, uh, given Adam Gase's personality, as little yeah. as he lets us in, um, and given uh, a few people that I know that know Adam Gase fairly well, that he shared information with. There's something there with Jarvis Landry and Adam Gase, and I don't know if it's a if it's a power thing or if it's just two personalities being oil and water. I am not sure, but it doesn't seem to me like those two necessarily hang out after practice, if you know what <laughs> I'm saying. Um, they run in different circles. Now, it, I, I do think Adam Gase is a good surveyor of talent, and he understands what Jarvis Landry means to the team right now. But if you look at what he's doing with the coaching staff, which is going to be a completely different um, episode than here today because we're focusing on the wide receivers, Adam Gase is making moves. He has basically stuck the enema tube up the asshole of the Miami Dolphins and is now flushing out all the people that he had that was pretty much a holdover uh, from previous regimes. He's clearing out players that he no longer likes. So this very very well might be the uh, situation where we flush out Jarvis Landry as well. But um, we're not sure. And speaking of things we're not sure about, that leads us to Devontae Parker. Obviously, the second most talked about wide receiver on the team behind Jarvis Landry, but not because of how well he's doing in production, but because we really don't know what the hell he is after three seasons. Um, Just to kind of put it in perspective, Chris, Jarvis Landry had nine touchdown catches in 2017. Devontae Parker has a career total of eight through three seasons. Mm. Uh, He averages, averages starting eight games a season for the Miami Dolphins. Now, he was the number, what, 16, 15 overall pick three years ago. He's a first rounder, all the talent in the world. There's been a lot of talk online and through the pundits and through articles about how he just loafs it out there. He's not giving effort 100% to his diet, to his exercise, to his practice regime, all of it. And I think it actually shows on the field because back in high school and back in college when he was just physically bigger and better than everyone else, he could get away with half-assing it with his routines. Now that he's playing with the big boys and there's a lot of people out there that are just as big and bad as him, uh, you start to see him even out and be just a player out there. 
Yeah, picture this, Sam. You're 6'5", 6'3", 6'4", 215 pounds in some high school wherever you're from, uh, where Devontae Parker's from. Dude, he doesn't have to even look at a weight room, right? I mean, he doesn't have to eat right. He's dominating 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids in high school. So he earns himself a scholarship. He goes to Louisville. He goes there and Louisville, he's playing Boston College. He's playing North Carolina. You know, some of these schools uh, that have guys that are never going to sniff an NFL field. And, and he does well. He does very well. And he's a first round pick in the NFL. Now he goes to the NFL, and this guy, for the life of me, cannot stay on a football field. He's either injured, he tweaks something, his foot hurts, uh, he doesn't seem to fight for the ball, Sam. It just doesn't seem like he gives a crap. And when you look at a guy like Jarvis Landry, who we were just speaking about, that plays the game the way he does, putting his shoulder down, running guys over, taking on linebackers and blocks, and he never misses a game. So, Devontae Parker, what are you doing? you got to do something different. And if it doesn't click, we have a fifth-year option, Sam. I don't know if that's happening. Um, year four is huge for Devontae Parker. He's getting Tannehill back. Gase is uh, third year in his offense with him. If he doesn't show up and do the things he needs to do and not get out-jumped by Jakeem Grant, who's 5'2", mm. then uh, I don't see him wearing aqua and orange anytime after 2018. Yeah, I mean, the difference between him and Jakeem Grant is that Devontae Parker looks like he could jump over a mountain. Jakeem Grant can. You know what I mean? Like, Devontae Parker, if you had Jakeem Grant, Jakeem Grant's heart in Devontae Parker's hard, body, he'd be the best wide receiver in the league at this point. That's how much talent the guy has. And it's interesting because somebody told me the other day I was bitching about Devontae Parker to a fellow Dolphins fan and said he only has one fumble in his entire career. And I'm like, yeah, because he only has got like three catches in his entire career. <laughs> I mean, the guy's got to get a little bit more consistent. He was targeted almost 100 times last year for 57 receptions, 670 yards, which is down significantly from the year before. Touchdowns were down. Not that he's a big touchdown scorer anyways, but from four down to one. Uh, the production just isn't there right now, uh, but the talent is. And that's where you kind of go, man, if he can bring his game up uh, to the level of not Jarvis Landry, but just around, you know, underneath there and be that number two guy that can catch the ball in the middle, catch the ball over the top, catch the ball on the sidelines, be your fade route option for touchdowns down there in the red zone. He's that all-around go-get wide receiver, and he's not that guy right now. Um, I agree with you. We have a fifth-year option. I don't think we're going to pick that up. I think we can replace Devontae Parker's uh, production, quote-unquote, with a no-name wide receiver. I mean, look what the Minnesota Vikings are doing with guys that you've never even heard of um, with wide receivers and quarterbacks that people didn't want they're able to game plan, but they got people with heart. They got people that want to play the game, that put in the work, and they are putting a production that is ungodly, does not match their talent level. And Devontae Parker's doing the same thing, but in the opposite direction. He's going to be here in 2018, and you're right. I think it's a huge year to prove it, to see if he could stay here. But, man, I, I, if Jarvis Landry leaves and Devontae Parker is the number one wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, uh, that's a scary thought for me as a fan. Sam, there's not one receiver that your textbook, prototypical, quote-unquote, Madden, first overall pick, receiver, size, speed, jumping ability on the New England Patriots. Every single one of those guys, even Brandon Cooks, he's fast, but he's undersized. Those guys are dogs. They're bulldogs. They fight for yards. They run the correct route every single time. The correct depth. They understand game situations. They hold on to the football. They block. They provide... Offense on all facets of the game. That's why Bill Belichick does it, and that's why they're five hours away from right now with me and you recording from possibly going to yet another Super Bowl. Okay, so Devontae Parker, if he doesn't ship up and change some things, maybe we can give him a pass because Jay Cutler and Matt Moore were the quarterbacks, and he was doing well with Tannehill last year. They really were. I mean, like he was catching touchdowns. He was uh, catching deep balls. He was doing the things that set us up for us to be excited for this year. And it just didn't work out. If he does not step up and show out with Ryan Tannehill next year, it's his last chance. If not, he's going to end up Patrick Turner. Well, and that, wow, name drop right there. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, should I say a no name drop? I mean, that's a name that, you know, again, prototypical size, uh, had decent speed, decent hands, and really did nothing for the Miami Dolphins or in the NFL at all. I mean, you'd hate to see Devontae Parker go down that route, but uh, it seems like he's going that way. Now, here's where I might have a little bit of hope. Um, we are. Uh, employing a new offensive coordinator, somebody who is a good friend of Adam Gase, maybe somebody who all reports say that is a better communicator than Clyde Christensen, uh, maybe Dow Logans can figure out a way to motivate Devontae Parker. Because what Clyde Christensen tried to do in terms of calling him out in the media, tried to embarrass him into changing his habits, it did not work. In fact, it made Devontae Parker kind of go backwards. Um, so maybe we got to figure out just a better way to communicate with Devontae Parker and pull out that talent that we all know he has. And 
it might be something very similar to what we used to do with Jarvis Landry, which is get him involved early, get his head in the game, force a couple of passes his way, and kind of get that motivation going of, okay, they're thinking about me. I can contribute to this team. Um, Maybe that's the way to do it, and maybe that makes this turn around next season. I'm not sure, but, man, I really do think this is the year he's got to prove it. We always say that about Ryan Tannehill. This is the year. No more excuses. Well, that's the case with Devontae Parker. If he gets injured again, well, that's it. That is who he is. If he can't show up and actually contribute on a consistent, solid basis, well, then that is who he is. And it's uh, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher because you have Jarvis Landry, who is by all measurables an overachiever, and then you have Devontae Parker, who by all measurables is an underachiever, and then you've got the third man of the trio, Mr. Kenny Stills, who seems to be living up to his potential and his expectations. Um, 58 receptions, 847 yards, 14 and a half yards per reception, six touchdowns, um, signed a big contract in the offseason, which we weren't sure if he was going to actually stay or not. Uh, we showed him the money. He signed the contract, and here he is. I got no problems with Kenny Stills with the Miami Dolphins in 2017. Do you? Kenny Stills had every reason to hit a big drop-off, right? He uh, lost Ryan Tannehill. He got a big contract, and you've seen it before. It's not cliche if it's true. Guys get a contract, and sometimes their produ- uh, productivity falls off a cliff. Not Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills came out, balled out with Jay Cutler, Matt Moore, didn't matter who it was. And uh, this is a guy you, you love to have on your football team. I'm so glad he's locked up. He's young as piss. Like, he is so young. Um, he fights for the ball. He blocks his ass off. He's always the first guy to step up in between plays if somebody's get yapping or getting in one of his teammates' face. He's huge in the community for South Florida. This guy is a, um, a great role model. He is a great influence to young uh, aspiring football players to fans like us and I'm just proud he wears aqua and orange plus he retweeted Zachary uh, wearing his eye makeup before his championship game so uh, yeah totally love this guy can't say a bad thing about him <laughs> yeah well there you go I mean uh, if he if he's hanging out with your kid then he must be all right um, you know there's so many things that Kenny Stills does and you mentioned it you touched on it on the field and off uh, the guy is um, the face of the franchise with regards to being in the community he was our nominee for Walter Payton man of the year uh, he had the second most catches that he's ever had in his career last season uh, with 58. The only year that it topped that was when he was with uh, Drew Brees in 2014 with the New Orleans Saints. Um, the second most amount of yards he's ever had, uh, same thing, his 20, year 22, uh, 2014, when he was 22 years old, I should say. Uh, but he's got Drew Brees. He had Jay Cutler. I think it's impressive what he was able to pull off. His touchdowns went down a little bit, but that's going to happen when you lose Ryan Tannehill and when Jarvis Landry steps up and kind of takes over the role of being the touchdown wide receiver. Um, again, one of the things that is a little bit understated, too, I'm going to throw this out to you, Chris. Who is the longest tenured active player on the Miami Dolphins right now? John Denny. John Denny with his 75 million kids and 85 (laughs) years on the team. Um, How many playoff games has John Denny been in? Do you know? God, three. Uh, That would be two. He's had two playoff appearances for the Miami Dolphins in the 87 years he's been on the team. Who is the face of the franchise when you think of defense and is probably the most beloved player over the last 15 years for the Miami Dolphins? Oh, it's got to be the Kraken. The Kraken, the original Kraken, Mr. Cameron Wake. Um, How many playoff appearances does he have as a member of the Miami Dolphins? One? Was he not on the team in 08? Uh, He had one. So when you combine the two most, I guess, uh, longest standing people on the Miami Dolphins in Cameron Wake and John Denny, they have three total playoff appearances combined. Kenny Stills has three playoff games himself. Two of those are with the Saints, one with the Miami Dolphins. And it doesn't sound like a lot because it's not. But when you think of a wide receiving core that's got Jarvis Landry at 25 years old, uh, Devontae Parker at like 22, 23 years old, Kenny Stills at 25 years old, Leontay Carew at whatever the age he is, and Jakeem Grant, <laughs> he's got more playoff experience than anybody else in terms of almost virtually on the team, with maybe the exception of Lawrence Timmons on defense, who's only been here for a season. This guy knows what it takes to win. He's played at a high level with talented people like Drew Brees. Um, You need this guy around. This is the glue guy of your wide receiving core. You have the emotional guy in Jarvis Landry. You have the loafer in Devontae Parker. And then you got Kenny Stills going, all right, guys, let's all figure out how to get on the field and make this productive. Uh, I got nothing to say about Kenny Stills other than I'm glad he's here with the Miami Dolphins, and I look forward to seeing what he can do in 2018. 
Yeah, and I think the biggest thing too, um, and I don't want to turn this into any kind of a Ryan Tannehill back and forth like all, always happens, but uh, the guy wanted to be here. You know, that's the thing. Like, we didn't pay him astronomical money. I mean, you're talking about Doug Baldwin and what he got paid. Kenny Stills took what seemed like almost a discount and stayed here last year with the hopes of playing with Ryan Tannehill, with the hopes of staying with Adam Gase. And this is a guy that has seen a locker room with Drew Brees. So, I mean, and not to compare the two at all, but he knows he could have went and left and played for a quote-unquote better quarterback, better system, maybe make more money, and he didn't. And uh, Kenny Seals is the type of guy, I'm going to lay my hat next to his, and uh, hopefully if Landry feels the same way, he'll be coming back and we can get this ball rolling where the excitement was before Tannehill re-injured that knee. Yeah, and you know, we crapped a little bit on Jarvis Landry's attitude and Devontae Parker's lack of production, but when you add all three of those together, as I mentioned at the top of the show here on Perfectville, they combined for 227 catches in 2017, and that is a record for the Miami Dolphins uh, all-time for your top three wide receivers. So Mm. they're doing something right out there, especially when you consider the fact that they had a backup quarterback in Jay Cutler and a backup backup quarterback in Matt Moore. Um, These guys are getting themselves open. They are working together as a unit now could they be a little bit better yes they could cough cough Devonte parker but overall i want to see these three back in south florida next year for 2018 because bringing ryan Tannehill back adam gase having the coaching staff that he now wants in place and perhaps a few tweaks and improvements to the offensive line and the offensive play calling this could be a devastating trio if we can keep them together it's just looking more and more likely like that's not going to happen and that's a little bit of concern so if one of those guys goes away chris where do we go now if we look at who the fourth wide receiver was on the miami dolphins this year just based on stats that's jakeem grant mighty mouse himself this guy is much maligned for some of his um failures as a punt returner in some cases uh for being a midget all the things that you would make fun of a person for being but at the end of the day he got a chance to shine towards the end of the season and uh, while he only had 13 receptions for 203 yards he did have two touchdowns which is more than Devonte freaking parker uh. um and he had 15.6 yards per reception which is almost double what jarvis landry was doing all season and it's more than kenny stills at 14 and a half yards per reception and he had a long of 65 yards now that is the longest uh, of anybody on the team. I mean, that this next would be Kenny Stills at 61, uh, Jarvis Landry at 49, Kenyon Drake at 47. Uh, this is a phenomenal um, small sample size of what Jakeem Grant might be able to bring to the Miami Dolphins. And if you look late in the season, Adam Gase looked like he had fun game planning Jakeem Grant into that offense. Yeah, finally. I, I mean, people are calling for it. And you want to talk about that long touchdown, too. I believe that's the one against the Chiefs where it wasn't your classic run down the field, catch it and run. Like he caught a screen and ran through three guys and broke tackles and used his speed to get to the second level and score. So Jakeem Grant has heart, man. You get that ball in the, that guy's hands. That's what you have to do. And these good play callers and, and creative geniuses in the NFLs, they're getting it done. They're making it happen. Darren Sproles should be somebody that you look at and see what the Chargers did and the Eagles later. Later in his career to get that guy in space that way that's what you got to do with Jakeem Grant he's not just fast which he's faster than Darren Sproles by the way with a 4-3-40 he's shifty he can make guys miss and obviously he's not scared of contact and put his shoulder down He has a chip on his shoulder anybody that size playing in a sport is highly violent and competitive as the NFL he's had to have that chip on his shoulder his entire life and that's the kind of guy you want competitive with that juice on the field and get the ball in his hands and I hope Gase does that more next year for some reason, I kind of feel like Jakeem Grant, when he was born, was the exact same size that he is as an adult. And can you imagine, <laughs> like, he was born and he was five foot one, and like, this kid's going to be humongous, and he just never grew. He just stayed the same. At all. That's what I imagine Jakeem Grant's life is like. And you're right, he doesn't. Pencil mustache. Yeah, and he just, <laughs> that's the only difference. He has a pencil mustache now, whereas a kid, he did not. But as he went through puberty, he got a number two pencil mustache right there on his upper lip. Um, but this is a guy who I think, actually, if, if you look to the future and you look in 2018, Jakeem Grant, regardless of who's in front of him if all three stay or not I think he's going to get a more of a chance to be a wide receiver and be a contributor to the offense and I think you're right Darren Sproles is almost an appropriate um of a comparison as anybody else that's out there but this fast guy who can make people miss like you said he's quick and fast which is a deadly combination so if you can get him in space 
or you can get him out one-on-one somewhere where you can get him the ball because he'll go up and get it. He'll jump up there and go get that ball. Um, He will do anything you ask him to do. He's just happy to be here, happy to play. I look forward to seeing what Jakeem Grant can do in uh, 2018 and beyond. He he has completely redeemed himself in my eyes, not for being a punt returner or a kick returner so much as being a wide receiver. And he opened my eyes late in that season of 2017 going, wow, this guy guy can actually do something. This guy could be uh, a lot of fun to watch in 2018 and beyond. Well, one thing that will make Jakeem Grant more deadly than normal is that he has two willing and strong receivers that like to block. And Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills will get downfield. They will run him to the very end into that end zone, busting their ass to make blocks for him to look good. And that's the kind of unselfishness you need. And that's the kind of stuff that a guy like Jakeem Grant can take advantage of and excel. Yeah, and then I noticed you didn't say Devontae Parker because Devontae Parker <laughs> does know. not know how to – but Devontae Parker knows how to get blocked because he can't get off of a off of a man-to-man coverage at the press uh, <laughs> press coverage at the line. But, um, look, so there's your top four. Number five, uh, I don't even know if he's worth mentioning, Chris, but Leontay Carew, a guy that we traded up for a couple of seasons ago who's built like a brick shithouse who, uh, again, we traded up and used a third-round pick on and I had high hopes for, you had high hopes for, um, had seven catches for 69 yards on the season – Um, Just to put this into perspective, we had a running back that was here for part of the season this year who is now with the Philadelphia Eagles, and one of the knocks against him was that he was hindering this offense because he could not catch the ball out of the backfield. And, of course, I'm talking about the J-Train, Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi had 14 receptions. Leontay Carew had seven. So one guy that we paid to not catch the ball caught more balls than the guy we paid to catch the ball. Um, so we have some room to grow here on the back end of this roster. And the part that concerns me, Chris, is if we lose Jarvis Landry, if Devontae Parker doesn't step up and start you know, cashing in on some of this talent, this guy is somebody that we're going to have to rely on next season, possibly. And he has not proven to me at all that he can do anything other than be a workout warrior at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's up with this guy in college. He had 30 touchdowns in three years. I mean, he just was a, a lightning bolt at Rutgers and, and killing it. Everybody's comparing him to, um, you know, a shorter Devontae Parker, the way he got up and got the ball and fought for it. And he's flashed a couple of times in preseason and uh, training camp, but it's just not putting together. I don't know if it's uh, if it's a playbook, if it's uh, not doing what Adam Gase wants. I know we've got the curtain pulled back a little bit during this Jarvis Landry saga with his uh, agent coming out and saying that Gase would get on Landry for not running a route to the very exact depth that he needs to. Um, So if Gase is that perfectionist about routes, maybe Carew is just finding it difficult to uh, earn Gase's good uh, (laughs) Gase's good graces. God, that's fucking difficult (laughs) to say. Why would I put that on myself? Um, Yeah, but Adam Gase obviously doesn't trust the guy. He's not putting him out there. He's um, kind of excelling in the preseason, but I don't know if we can count on this guy. He's literally a mystery box at this point, and when we open it, we'll find out, I guess. Gase's good graces. I feel like that's that's on the whiteboard in the wide receiver room. It's just a picture of of Adam Gase smiling and a picture of him frowning, and you've got Gase's good graces and – Gase's bad graces, and he just moves the names under which face he uh, feels like at that point. So that's one of those, uh, you know, the shitty things they put on like along the walls of the stadium, like uh, Stills hands team, and it's just like a bunch of Bit Kenny Stills fans, and then there'll be like Landry's laugh box, and they have like a sign out on like the wall of the stadium, and he runs and jumps into that part of the crowd. There's like his mom and his wife is like Gase's good graces, and they have a fucking sign on the wall of the stadium. Look, I think this speaks volumes to how insignificant Leonte Carew was to the Miami Dolphins, that we'd rather talk about a fake sign <laughs> of our head coach than spend any more time on Leonte Carew. I swear to God, if one fucking fan out there, if one of you has a sign at Hard Rock Stadium at all at any point next year, I will send you all the koozies, just all the koozies. Um, I'll pay for them, Sam, and we'll ship them out. Gase's good grace. <laughs> That's like, that's like a shitty like folk band from the 60s. I'll do you one better because Chris is absolutely right. If you guys next year, anybody's <laughs> got a home game or a road game and you can get a sign on TV that says Gase's Good Graces or anything to do with Perfectville whatsoever, what, whether it be our logo. Orange, Biscuitville, Biscuitville. Any of it. Anything that is a reference to Perfectville that we know is a reference to Perfectville, not only will we send you uh, a Rondé Baxton, a free koozie, we'll send you a free shirt. I'll make sure that we have hats for you. I'll get you an entire Perfectville welcome 
welcome home gift bag because uh, that would be fantastic. That's the next level that we want. We want to get national exposure through regular free TV when these games are on next year. So that's going to be our next campaign for 2018. Get Perfectville on camera and get yourself a bunch of free swag. Um, but, Chris, anything else you want to talk about with the wide receivers before we close up shop here in Perfectville today? If, if Jarvis Landry re-signs mm. with the Miami Dolphins, a lot of this um, – Stress and pressure goes away. I think it, everything else kind of falls in line. I think if Jarvis Landry resigns, obviously we come back and play with Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and Jakeem Grant behind him. If Jarvis Landry goes away, if he signs with someone else, or we somehow do some sort of sign and trade, how do you replace Jarvis Landry? Do we go to the draft? Do we go try to find a wide receiver that's out there that's got a little bit of a veteran presence? Or do we trade for another wide receiver? How do you see us um, dealing with Jarvis Landry leaving if he does leave? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is to draft Baker Mayfield and have Ryan Tannehill play receiver. So, um, <laughs> no, but really, I mean, the free agent market is kind of dry. Fuck you, man! Don't go, don't give him ideas. Don't give him ideas. That's God what, damn it! Can you imagine next year Baker Mayfield is in the shotgun and he gets the ball and Ryan Tannehill's playing wide receiver and runs around to the side on a reverse, gets the ball, stops, pivots, and throws down the field to Kenny Stills, and all the announcers go, "You know, he used to be a quarterback at the pros." <laughs> That's all we hear now. Ryan Tannehill in the slot. He used to be a quarterback, and he was a receiver in college. Oh, my God. That would just be too funny. As long as he's in Gase's good graces, we're fine. Um, but uh, the free agent market's kind of dry. I think Allen Robinson's coming off of injury. Oh, um, boy. Allen Robinson. Yeah, that's about it. Shoot yeah. me in the fucking head if I have Allen Robinson on my team next year. Yeah, we're not drafting anybody high unless Landry does walk and we let him walk. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure how you replace Landry. I mean, you just can't. You can't replace Jarvis Landry. Hopefully uh, with a deep quarterback draft, somebody good would fall to us. But um, if that were the case, of course, um, really, other than that, I would just like to point out Drew Morgan and Isaiah Ford, two mm-hmm. guys that uh, uh, Morgan really excelled in camp, uh, came from Arkansas. We have him on the practice squad, this kid. Uh, could make some moves, make things happen. And Isaiah Ford got injured very early, but a lot of people that played against and with him at Virginia Tech said he might have been the steal of the draft. We got him in the seventh round. He's a productive guy in the ACC with a bad quarterback play. So bad his quarterback is now a tight end for the Buffalo Bills. That's how bad of a quarterback. He used to be a quarterback in college. Um, So (laughs) Isaiah Ford, too, just be on the lookout for him, see if he can uh, maybe turn that roster and get crew out of here or move past them or make some things happen for themselves. But other than that, man, it's going to be all up to if we can get Landry back into this office. Isaiah Ford sounds like a generic creative player from an NBA game, and Drew Morgan sounds like a a generic creative wrestler from a wrestling game. Those (laughs) names got to go. We got something that's got to have a little bit more, quote-unquote, juice than that. But you're right. We do have some people in the background that uh, if you're Leontay Carew, you know, rent, don't buy, my good friend, because uh, your time here in Miami – Might be short, but uh, speaking of short, we are short on time, but that was wide receivers in depth here on Perfectville. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at Perfectville Pod, Instagram at Perfectville Podcast. You can always email us, perfectvillepodcast at gmail.com. And as we already talked about, you can get yourself a free, free, I should say, Perfectville Sip Sack Koozie. Shut up, Chris, uh, by giving (laughs) us a five-star rating and a review on Apple podcast formerly known as itunes and with that being said as always we are going to put this up to the clickbait perfectville poll it is time for perfectville poll brought to you by clickbait are you fishing for new friends followers likes or viewers if so then clickbait is right for you pick up your clickbait starter kit of clever headlines and raunchy photos at welcome to perfectville.com clickbait also available at Walmart. Next episode of Perfectville is all about the defense. You guys chose wide receivers for this one. We're going defense on the next one. And here are your three options. The defensive line. We have some veterans on there. Indomitian Sue, Cameron Wake, as well as some young guys who stepped up late in the season. Um, who's going to be here next season? Who should go? Who should we focus on going forward in 2018, the defensive line? Linebackers, this was an area of concern in 2017. It's now an area of concern in 2018. 
uh, young people coming back from injuries, old guys leaving and then coming back with no explanation. Uh, we just had uh, probably one of the more disappointing linebacking campaigns that we've had in quite a while. We could talk about the linebackers if you guys so choose to talk about linebackers. And, of course, just finishing that up, let's just back up and talk about the defensive backs, both cornerbacks and safeties. Rashad Jones played himself back to the level of safety play that we always know he can do. Uh, we have some young defensive backs, young cornerbacks that stepped up and played very, very well, including Xavier Howard. Uh, where do we go? Do we spend draft capital on getting more defensive backs back there? Do we just go with what we have with TJ McDonald, Rashawn Jones, and the young guys? Where are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Those are your three options the defensive line, linebackers, or the defensive backfield. You can vote on uh, Twitter at Perfectville Pod. You will see it stickied at the top of our little page there. And whoever wins is what we'll talk about next. But that's next time. This is this time. Chris, anything else? How do we wrap up the wide receivers here before we get out of Perfectville? Pay fucking juice. Pay fucking juice. Pay his and ass. Pay his Gase's ass. Good graces. Gase's good graces. Good graces. The many faces of Gase's good graces. Um, that, look at that. We're gonna Felt s- that in my plums. It's kind of how we stock three. Uh, how we stack three wide receivers on one side of the line. We just stacked all the aces. The many good graces of aces. Great faces. Aces. I don't know. I ran out of things to say. It doesn't matter. This has been Perfect Bill. Chris, uh, last thing to say, goodbye from Perfect Bill. Later. Perfect Bill. things happen things go missing people you love and trust stab you in the back you need help and only one man is here to have your side through thick and thin that man is lawrence timmons and has never left behind pi service lawrence timmons pi service is there any time of day when you need someone there to have your back we work day and night never breaching our contract once signed to provide you the services you signed us up to do Call today for a free quote and we will throw in a fully stocked emergency bug out bag for free just for hearing about our services. When the duty calls and Sunday is around the corner, you'll never know when you'll need your fully stocked bug out bag to be with you when you go missing back home to Pennsylvania when you need supplies. Hurry, this offer ends indefinitely. So go to welcometoperfectville.com for your free no hassle quote. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.